Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Verse we're going to be dealing with is Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, and then chapter 6, verse 1. Verse 25 of the fifth chapter sort of ties together the message that I preached this morning with living our faith. If we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit, as verse 25 says. And then chapter 6, verse 1, I'm reading from the New American Standard again this evening. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to himself, lest you too be tempted. Let us pray. Father, as we look at your word, Help us as your children to understand what it says and be blessed by it and be a witness to our community by the way we live and by what we do. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We have gone through some devastating times in the last few months that has come up recently again in the tremendous fall of some well-respected preachers. And then just this week to hear the same thing of uh, a preacher in Charleston. And all of this is extremely devastating. And it's going to have an effect upon us, there is no doubt. It has had an effect upon my effectiveness, upon my credibility, which I resent, but it's there. I know it is. Upon your credibility, upon the credibility of every church in the land. And it will be a long while before we have overcome it. And this is all that I really am going to say about it as far as making reference to the individuals that are involved. We must recognize this. Though they be in the limelight, they be the ones that are seen and recognized and talked about, there is not one of us that escapes the same kind of possibility and probably reality in some fashion. It's difficult for any group of people, whatever denomination, to refer to some other fellow Christian and condemn him or condemn her for that which he or she has done because the scripture says, he that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Sometimes we read over that so casually 
And don't put the emphasis upon ourselves in that possibility. For even he who thinks a sin is guilty of the sin as much as he who does the sin. That's scripture. There's not one of us, not one Christian that I can possibly think of anywhere that could have his life put under the the limelight, be brought out to public view, and escape a similar condemnation as has been placed upon those people that we could think about. Verse 6 makes this very point. It says, Brethren, even if a man is caught in a trespass, some translations say it, brethren, even when a man is caught in a trespass, indicating that it is impossible for a person to escape being caught in a sin. We're going to be caught. You just think back to those sneaking little things that you and I have done in the past when we thought we were going to get by particularly when we were kids, I thought I could get by with smoking my first cigarette. Didn't realize that it reeked on me, and my mother and father, who never smoked, could immediately tell that I had committed that sin, if that's what it is. But when I tried to sneak around my grandfather, and he put it blank, point blank to me, if you're going to do it, do it out where you can be seen. Don't go sneaking around. I got caught. And so have you. There is none of us that can be smart enough to think that we can sin whatever the sin might be and not get caught. Our hand will be in the cookie jar and there's no way to get it out fast enough before Grandma sees it. Remember those little episodes? The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And that has been my personal experience. And I confess it to you. I hope that you will be brave enough to confess it to each other and to me that we have been caught in our sins. And therefore, find ourselves no more righteous, no more moral, no more lofty than those who have taken the great fall. Whether we have committed that particular sin or some other sin, so it does not behoove us to be overly critical of those who have committed, which is in our mind, I suppose, sin nearly as bad as murder, but that's our mind, not God's. For sin is sin in the mind of God, and there is no distinction. No distinction. David thought he could get by with his sin. He looked out across the rooftops and saw this beautiful woman taking a bath. I do not excuse Bathsheba in, in uh, her part in the sin because any woman who would be taking a bath in a place that anybody could possibly see must have some ulterior motive other than taking a bath. 
but the process led to the point that they sinned. And David thought that he had escaped because, uh, from, uh, from what he had done because he was very careful in everything that he had, had accomplished. And then the prophet came to him one day and said, King David, I have a problem. There is a man in your kingdom who had a whole flock of sheep and his neighbor had one little old ewe lamb. And this wealthy neighbor went over and took the ewe lamb from his poor neighbor. And David was incensed and said the man would have to be brought to judgment. And the wise prophet said, David, you're the man. Be sure your sins will find you out. The sins of Lot who thought that he was wise and he could move with his family into town and associate with the sins of that city to discover that he lost his family to the sins of that city with the exception of two of his daughters and his wife whom the angels put out of the city with him and his wife looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt and then the two daughters said we have no man for a husband and we're going to die old maids and never have any children and so they got their father drunk and lay with him and produced the Moabites and the Ammonites two of the most wicked nations in the world and Lot thought he could escape his sin but listen, the sin of Lot followed year after year after year for generations, for generations it plagued him and his, and his descendants because of the sin that he committed in just looking toward Sodom and Gomorrah. That was his sin. And he got caught, and his family paid the penalty. Peter, who stood before Jesus on one occasion, said, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll die for you if necessary. And Jesus said, Peter, before tonight's over, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, no way, no way. I'll never deny you. He said, you'll deny me three times before this night's over. The night was long. The trial went on all night long. And just as the dawn began to break and that old rooster, sitting out there on the fence post, gave his call, Peter remembered what the Lord had said. And he went out and wept bitterly, for his sin had found him out. And there was a woman in adultery. Whom the... Jewish people brought before the Lord and said, we have found this woman, caught her in the very act. Notice they brought the woman. They didn't bring the man. A man was excused. The woman was found guilty. And they said, what ought you to do with her? What should we do? The scripture says, the Bible says, stole her to death. And Jesus didn't say anything but reached down in the dust on the ground and started writing something. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. But when he got done, he said these words, You who are without sin, cast the first stone. And they dropped their stones and went away. And Jesus turned to this poor, adulterous woman and said, Where are your accusers? She looked around and there was none to accuse her and said, There are none. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Listen, if Jesus Christ himself does not condemn even the worst of sinners, what right do we, as God's children, to point fingers at anybody for whatever sin they might commit? Be 
Because as that old adage is, when you point one finger toward me, you're pointing three back at yourself. And that's the literal truth. So, what does this have all to say about the subject that we're dealing with tonight? The scripture says in the verse that we read, If a man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, what? Restore such a one. Restore. All right, here is the, the emphasis that we want tonight, want to look at tonight. He says, he does not say, you who are church members restore anybody. He doesn't say, you who are baptized restore anybody. He says, you who are spiritual do the restoring. Now, not everybody who is a Christian is spiritual. There are spiritual Christians and there are what is called carnal Christians. Carnal Christians are those who are saved but live as if they weren't. Spiritual Christians are those who live like Jesus wants us to live. Carnal Christians have worldly interests, participate in worldly affairs. Spiritual Christians recognize that a Christian's life and walk ought to match, as I said this morning, his faith, and attempt to live that way. And so if we are spiritual, then we will restore, we will do whatever we can to bring back. That does not say we will excuse the sin of the sinner. It says we will exert whatever influence we can to restore, to bring back, to nurture, to correct to bring into the fold, to bring to a place of spirituality again that person who has sinned. The carnal Christian is one who is very quick to hear, but he also is very quick to forget what it's like to be, what it's like to be a Christian. The spiritual Christian may be slow, but he's deep. The spiritual Christian has roots that sink deep into the, into the soil to the point that there is no shaking his faith. The spiritual Christian is one who will not allow the affairs of other people's sin to have an effect upon their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual Christian. Those people who will fall by the wayside and uh, desert the church and desert the gospel because of what one man or one woman has done somewhere is the carnal Christian. The spiritual Christian will not be daunted in his or her life because of the sin of somebody else. If you're spiritual, nobody's going to stop your serving Jesus Christ. Nobody. If you're carnal, anybody can stop you. Did you hear me? What kind of Christian are we? One who builds up and nurtures each other and supports and encourages or one who is discouraging and stays away because of what somebody else's sin might have been. He says to restore them. Restore them. The spiritual Christian will put his arms around the most despicable, 
foul-smelling, sinful man or woman in this world and love them back into true fellowship. Let me give you two illustrations from my own experience. Well, one of them is the experience of another pastor, a pastor that I followed many, well, my second pastorate many, many years ago. I'm still in my 20s, but I remember the man well. A fellow by the name of Lewis, who was the who was an absolute drunk. He was an alcoholic. Many a night he lay literally in the ditch with the rain pouring down along the side of the road because he couldn't make it home. He was so drunk. My predecessor came along and saw a man laying in the ditch. He got out of his car and went over and literally picked that man up in his arms covered with mud and puke, smelling like you-know-what, took him home and cleaned him up. That man received Jesus Christ. Came and sang in the choir. I can see him yet today. One night, Wednesday night, he did not show up for church during my pastor. And I thought, where on earth is Lewis? Is he sick? I let it go until Sunday, and he wasn't there on Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, I went looking for Lewis, and I went to his house. The doors were all locked. I knocked and knocked and couldn't get anybody awake. I finally went looking in the windows because I thought the man was dead, and I saw him stretched out on his bed. I beat on that house until finally the man moved. Then I knew he was alive and drunk as a snake. Finally, he came staggering to the door, and I said, Lewis, are you drunk? And he said, no, I'm not drunk. And he could hardly stand on his feet. He had fallen off the pedestal. What was the church to do? Say to him, Lewis, you dirty rat. You went back on your faith. You sin. we won't have anything more to do with you. No, no, that's not the object. The spiritual Christian will put their arms around uh, that foul-smelling individual and love him back to his rightful place in the church and in the kingdom. You who are spiritual, restore. I was called one Sunday morning by a woman for church time. And she said, I, and called me by first names, we were, we were good friends, uh, her husband and, and she and my wife and I. They were members of the church, also sang in the choir. But he had a habit of getting drunk. He wasn't an alcoholic, but he could get drunk all right. Seems like I had a lot of drunks in that church. I can remember back all night, I don't know how that church survived without alcohol. She said, Danny, and then got another Danny. It's not you, Danny. This is another Danny I know. She said, Jim, Danny beat me up last night. I had to take the kids and leave. He's drunk as he can be. Would you go down to the house and see if you can do anything with him? Well, I went. I walked in the house. He was out. He had literally torn that house apart. Throwing up all the way, I could follow him all the way to the bedroom, and I walked in his bedroom, and he reached up and grabbed something to throw it because he thought it was his wife and saw me. 
Never in my life have I seen a man so remorseful when he realized what his condition was. What do we do with people like that? What do we do with a person who falls? Say, don't you go back in the choir anymore. No, no. You who are spiritual, restore such ones. That's our job. The tendency for people is to condemn, to sling the mud. And that will destroy. He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Jesus gave us a parable, a story, of a man who was looking at another person and said, hey, you have a speck in your eye. Let me help you take out the speck. Jesus said, before you help him take out the speck, get the beam out of your eye first so you can see. That's our job. Yes, help people with the specks. But be sure, first of all, that we can see clearly. He said to restore in the spirit of gentleness. Paul said to the Romans that we ought to bear the weakness of those that are without strength. Bear the weakness of those that are without strength. Do you recall that as Jesus made his way toward Calvary and on his back was that heavy wooden cross? The scripture tells us that it became very heavy and the movie shows him stumbling and falling. There was a black man in the crowd who had compassion upon Jesus and came over and picked up that cross and carried it for our Lord. The question I want to ask is, should I stumble and fall under whatever cross is on my back? Will you step out of the crowd and pick up my cross and carry it for me? Or will you kick me when I'm down? Will I, as I see you, go down the path of life with your cross on your back? Encourage and support you and reach over and say, here, let me help you. Or will, as they did Jesus, spit in his face? Now I say spiritual believers are not soft on sin because the scripture goes on to say that we are to admonish, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to himself lest he too be tempted. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, admonish the unruly, Admonish the unruly, but he also says in the same verse, encourage the faint-hearted. He says also in the same verse, help the weak. He also says, be patient with all men. Be patient. This is the task of the Christian. To restore, to support, to encourage. He that thinks he stands, Take heed lest he fall. I want to go back to Matthew just a moment. 
in closing. If you want to go back there with me, go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin at verse 21. He that thinks he stand takes heed lest he fall. Now this is the theme. Notice what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said in ancient times, you shall not commit murder. And whosoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. A little different in your King James. But I say unto you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, and that means you good for nothing. Whoever shall say to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go to hellfire. Did you hear what he said? We'd better not be found guilty of condemning our brethren for their sin. And call them good for nothing. Call them fools. Because to do so places us in jeopardy. We would be guilty enough for hell. We won't go to hell because we're saved. But we are guilty enough to be condemned. And we're only going to escape that guilt by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the point is the Lord does not take lightly his people putting down those who have sinned. That's the point. Okay. Down to uh, verse 27. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone that looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already uh, with her in his heart. What's the point of this verse? The mind can commit sin as well as the body. And he who thinks an evil thought, an unscriptural thought, is as guilty as the person who commits a physical act, whether it be adultery or whatever it might be. We simply will use that as the illustration. What's the job of the Christian, the task of the church, the purpose of the followers of Jesus Christ? What does he want us to do? To see that sinner, to see that one who has fallen, to recognize their condition, to be able to reach down and grab them with a hand and pick them up, to put the arm around them and to love them. And to say, I understand. Why would we understand? Because we have already been faced with similar problems, or maybe even that problem. And we will restore, build up, encourage, and woo them back into the kingdom of God, where they ought to be. But it's only going to be done by spiritual Christians. That's all. Carnal Christian will push down. The spiritual Christian will lift up. I hope we're spiritual. Because every day of this world, we're going to need the same kind of compassion that the Lord has asked us to give to somebody else. 
except for the grace of God, I can say time after time after time, as I look at somebody who has fallen, who is sinful, who has toppled, except for the grace of God, that would be me. Me. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.